Welcome to Imran's podcast, episode number 87. This is your host, Suman Silwal. It's to run your own race. Don't run somebody else's race. Don't take off fast because they're taking off fast. Visit Imran's.com to listen to our previous podcast episodes, links to our social media channels, get race photos, and much more. I'd like to welcome Donna Arrington to Emron's podcast today. She's going to be our uh, co-host. Uh, we have a guest uh, coming in in a few minutes. Uh, Donna, how are you doing today? How was your uh, uh, recovery going from Pinhoti? You did pretty great uh, at Pinhoti. How was your recovery going? That's going really good. I felt um, felt pretty, you know, trashed at the end, but um, it didn't take me as long to recover as I thought it would. So I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> you you finish fast, recover fast. Uh, I finish late, and I'm still working on my recovery. So, so hey, listen, if it hadn't been for the heat, I think I could have broken 24. Wow, the heat was just the enemy. Yeah, this year Big the time. humidity, and we were promised uh, at the Pinnacle some cooler weather, and then nothing that nothing like that happened at all. So that's okay. We passed Pinnacle, and uh, looking forward to uh, run Blood Rock and so on. Yeah, today we have a little different format um, for a podcast. I, I have Adana as a co-host, uh, just like what what I said a minute ago. And um, I would like to welcome Susan Donnelly from Tennessee. Susan, welcome to Emram's podcast. Hey, how are you doing? Doing great. Uh, you doing good? Excellent. Love to be here. This is great. Uh, we were trying to get you uh, last couple of weeks, a month, I think, to Emram's podcast, but you had a really busy schedule. Tell us your schedule. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you up to? Um, it has been insanely busy, and I kind of saw it coming, so I really planned for it. And that's actually the topic of my upcoming blog post but let's see i did bigfoot 200 in august um in the last half of august which was my first 200 miler i did my hundredth hundred miler at superior sawtooth in minnesota in early september and i took a week off to hang out up there which i usually do i actually had a speaking engagement uh the first week of october then i drove out to the Moab 240, 240 mile race in Moab, obviously. And from there, I drove straight to Wild Duluth 100K in Duluth, Minnesota, because it was the last race in the Gnarly Bandit series that I was trying to finish up. And that didn't work out. It was a muddy day, not my day, uh, my first DNF in forever. And then I drove home and then I flew out to Havelina 100 the following weekend at uh, in Arizona, which is where my parents live, and ran that and hung out with my parents for a week. So it's been a busy travel couple months. It <laughs> sounds like it. As you as you go from the race to race, uh, you you look like you have a very busy schedule. How do you recover? We hardly could recover from Pinhoti that we just did, <laughs> and yours is a pretty hefty schedule. And I think I had just heard also you say that you had hundredth hundredth mile or so. That's that's some something we may want to discuss a little bit farther down the interview. Yeah, that was a huge milestone. So as far as recovery goes, I've learned actually a couple of years ago, let me back up a couple of years ago, I was doing lots of ultras, different ultras and kind of, you know, picking and choosing kind of what came up, things that were interesting, but a few races that came up and I finally decided that, and Donna, you'll appreciate this. I have X number of years left in the sport. So what do I want to concentrate on? And my favorite distance at that time anyway was a hundred miles. So I decided, you know, I'm going to stop doing as many 50 Ks as I'm doing and start really packing my schedule with hundred milers. So I started doing more of them. I 
started doing, I've been doing back-to-backs, two 200s, two weekends in a row. And I thought, well, let's see what it's like to do three 100s, three weekends in a row. And so I did that a couple of years ago. And, And so I've really kind of learned, perfected my recovery process. I don't always follow it as well as I should. But I've uh, learned quite a few things about recovery. And um, most of it is very active recovery, surprisingly enough. Some people just want to sit and be motionless. But active recovery really works the best for me. So That, that is just mind-boggling to me, how in the world you are able to do that. It seems like, you know, like you said, you've, you've taken this 100-mile distance, and that's your, that's your distance. That's, that's what you focused on, and you've perfected competing recovering and I, I don't how in the heck do you train I mean if you've got a, a, a hundred mile race <laughs> what is your training I mean is your training your your race is that your training yeah basically a lot of it is um, that ends up being your long runs this past weekend uh, I was going to take the weekend off because I had not signed up for Tunnel Hill I decided you know after Havelina I was going to come home and I was going to spend a couple weekends at home you know a couple months actually at home kind of hanging out getting stuff done around the house getting things done that I kind of set aside and uh, I did not sign up for Tunnel Hill which I've done before. And so I'm faced with doing a long run. I still need to get a long run in, even on the off season. That's just my thing. And so I found a local 50K and ran that instead. And so, you know, I string races together, whether they're 50Ks or 100 milers together as much as I can. And in weekends where there's not a race, I'll go try and grab my training partner and go run in the Smokies. I live near the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, and, and I'm very lucky that way, and I get to go train there. So that's my other alternative. The one thing you mentioned, uh, Susan, that your years are uh, counting down. Uh, tell us about, uh, I shouldn't ask a lady about their age, but <laughs> tell us why it's such a hurry or rust for you for the age uh, factor. Tell us about that a little bit too. Oh, well, and I think some listeners can probably identify this, but maybe it's new territory. It's it's new territory for me. I always, I started running ultras actually in 1996, and I always felt like I was coming late to the sport, and I've always kind of regretted that because I, I wished, I fell in love with it. And I always wished that I had found it when I was like 20 years old <laughs> and I had a lifetime of running these races because I really love, I just absolutely love the sport, all distances, but particularly the longer ones. And so I've tried to enjoy it as much as I can. And now that I'm 54, it is, you know, you always have people telling you your knees are going to go bad, blah, 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 whatever. But now that I'm 54, I really have to start paying attention to, I'm really on the lookout for a decline. And the one thing that I have been very careful not to do is spot something and call it a decline without any proof. In other words, I can be poorly trained for a race and I could, it would be very tempting to call it um, getting old, but it's really not because I'm poorly trained for a race and that's happened this year. Uh, So I'm very careful not to pin things on age just yet. Um, I'm I'm actually uh, smarter 
than I was at 20. (laughs) And I'm making better decisions about running than I was when I started the sport. I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly, every race, I learn something. So I'm getting better in a lot of respects. Physically, I'm not sure I see the physical decline. I mean, I outright won 200s this year, um, beat all the guys at 54, which I think is pretty darn good. That's Um, amazing. That's amazing. That's awesome. Good for women. Women, good for older women also. So I was really proud to do it. So I'm really trying to be, some of that is I'm really trying to be very careful not to blame things on age that aren't really age yet. Gotcha. So what sort of physical challenges do you encounter or have you encountered that you've pushed through and um, it hasn't held you back? Oh, gosh. <laughs> In the sport, you could just about name it all. I've been under trained for races. Uh, most of us who race a lot end up, you know, if you're willing to just go to races, you end up being less trained than you want to be for a lot of races. And there is never, uh, if what I tell clients, there's never a perfect day. Lately, the challenge has been the amount of sugar I'm eating and how it relates to my stomach. And, um, you know, I'd, I use a lot of gels and they make my stomach a little bit queasy you know a lot of sugar over a lot of time makes your stomach can make your stomach a little bit queasy so i've been learning how to balance that out with real food like you know salting crackers and pb and j and pretzels and you know some savory dry things so just kind of doing that and i've been racing you know closer to the end of my ability this year i've been pushing it I've been Mm -hmm. feeling pretty good in races, and therefore I've had a harder time getting enough calories during the race, which is something I haven't really had to deal with a whole lot. So, you know, they're just new challenges, and I just, I learn every time I try new things, I problem solve on the run. (laughs) Definitely. Talk about that. uh, We talked about what you do now. Uh, Tell us about how how did your running journey started? Uh, Were you like a lifetime runner, or are you a midlife runner like us? I started very late in my life. So tell us about that story. I guess what you would call a lifetime runner in a way. I ran in high school. I ran junior high, actually, and high school cross-country teams and track teams. And my coach at the end of high school told me, pulled me aside unasked in the hallway, in the gym. I still remember the exact spot. I can picture it like it was yesterday. And told me not to bother trying out for the college team because I wasn't that good. So being a high school kid back in the 80s, high school girl, I thought, okay, I won't try out. And I had a lot of other things going on. You know, college is a big time of new stuff. So I put it aside and I saw that uh, the the college team recruited women from Scotland and all these other countries. And I thought, oh, I'm glad I didn't try out. They would have been very embarrassing. And yeah, I kind of put running aside and I was going through an engineering program, getting my engineering degree and not having, having some struggles with that. It was uh, the 1980s and women still weren't exactly welcomed in the field. And I was having a hard time with some of it. I was floundering around in college a little bit. And I, the last time I loved life was when I was running. So I thought, well, I'm going to go run a mile. So I ran a mile and I ran another mile. The next day I ran like two miles and then I upped it and I upped it and I upped it. And eventually I was running nine miles. And then I was starting to run again. I found a new magazine that showed a picture of Ann Trayson at Western States. And I didn't even know trail running was a thing. 
<laughs> and I certainly didn't know 100 miles was a thing. And it was just absolutely like a lightning bolt hit me. It, I knew immediately I had to do that. And and it was a long, torturous route there. I had, I was training, finally got out of college, was training for an ultra, got appendicitis, had to go into surgery. The ultra didn't happen. I had another surgery. I tabled it. And I finally moved to Tennessee and ran into somebody, lo and behold, in the small town who was running 100 milers. And I said, i got to talk to him. And we can be, became uh, good friends and training partners. And I started running hundreds with him and a small group. And it just grew from there. That sounds like a great story, uh, Susan. One thing I wanted to ask you, Susan, is... It sounds like you have the ideal body type for what you're doing. Um, do you feel like, is that true? I mean, and your nutrition, how how much weight of your success do you put on your nutrition? And what is your nutrition daily? Like, yeah, like how are you taking care of yourself? I'm lucky that way because when I was little, I looked around and I realized if I didn't take care of myself, and I'm talking little, <laughs> I realized if I didn't take care of my health, I couldn't do the things I wanted to do, like travel the world and do adventurous, exciting things. So I've always, from a young age, done the best I can to take care of my health. I'm actually an ovo vegan, which means I, I'm vegan except that I still eat eggs. That's the exception. So that's my diet. That's been my diet for years. I think I gave up meat in like 1986 and I've been at least a vegetarian since then. I take a multivitamin. I have been on actually on vitamin D. My doctor put me on vitamin D many years ago. So I do take that. Uh, I take those religiously. And I really, I love vegetables. I love my veg vegetarian diet. <laughs> um, I do eat potato chips now and then. I treat myself to French fries. And, it, you know, a couple years, a couple times a year, I treat myself to a donut. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I, I'm a vegetarian myself, but I uh, I think I treat myself to donut more often than I want. <laughs> <laughs> well, lately, the Simon, you had some, so you had some serious ultra bell going on last weekend. <laughs> it's it's well, the ultra I was at this past weekend, the last aid station had a box of Dunkin' Donut holes, and I thought, oh, somebody has answered my prayers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, what about what about weight training? Do you do do you get in the gym? Do you do some other stuff? Is that part yeah. of your routine? Yeah, actually, I added. I kind of knew I needed to add something for years, but I've been putting it off. And my fiance went to, it's a long story, went to, um, went to work at Guantanamo. Anyway, he hooked me up with a physical trainer when I went to visit and the, the trainer hooked me up with TRX and it's really portable and I use it here at the house. And so I do strength training with TRX and I've got a routine that I've worked up and, um, do most every weekday morning, sometimes on the weekends. Everyday workouts are I go, I get up, I run six miles, I come back, I grab a little bit to eat, I go do my TRX routine, I grab the rest of breakfast, and I shower and go to work. Before we uh, forget, let's uh, talk about a little bit more about your doing a hundredth, hundredth miler. Uh, tell us about the whole process. Uh, so <laughs> you, that's a lot of hundred miler. I think I've, I've got six so far. Uh, when did you start running the hundred, hundred miler? You mentioned a little bit earlier, but tell us a little bit more. Uh, what make you continue go to the hundred more than any other distance, I guess? I was really not fast 
the distances in high school, which were a mile and a quarter, I think was the longest distance we could race in high school. So I was mid-pack on all those high school teams, and I knew that the longer I was not good at the shorter distances, the longer the distance got, I was better. But we weren't allowed to run as far as the boys in high school. They had they actually had a two-mile event in track when I was in high school, and we didn't. We weren't allowed to do that. So I knew coming out of high school that I was better the longer the distance. And that proved to be the same way in ultra running. And I started at shorter distances and I tried my first hundred in 1999 and finished it at Superior Sawtooth and fell in love with the distance, fell in love with the course. It's still my favorite in the U.S. And I just, I got hooked. I mean, it wasn't pretty. My first one wasn't pretty to be honest. And I thought I was doing it wrong because I had to walk so much. (laughs) But I still, you know, anybody who's finished their first hundred knows how amazing that is to cross the finish line, how emotional that is. And I was absolutely hooked by the whole experience. And I wanted to do more. So I started trying more of them. And the process of learning is fascinating because I enjoy the social aspect on a lot of them. And I just enjoy the challenge. You know, it's sometimes it's so hard to put in words why you love to do something, but it is such a complete challenge and such I get so much back out of it. And I'm still learning. I will be learning all my life at it. So I just love the distance. Susan, let me ask you about pain management. Mm-hmm. Are you ever in pain? Oh, sure. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I'm so new, and, and this is so new to me. And, and to, in, in my mind right now, it's all about pain management. You can attack it in several ways. You can take ibuprofen, or you can change your thinking. You can, mm-hmm. um, you can do it with your mind. But when you've been out there for 20 plus hours, it's really difficult to successfully manage pain with your mind. Yeah. And try a 200 miler. That's when it really gets very interesting. <laughs> what That's tactics a really... do you have to, to manage pain? That's an excellent question. And it is and why are I we doing used... this if it hurts so bad? <laughs> <laughs> why is this I even mean... a question? <laughs> <laughs> that aspect is also very fascinating. I used to do ibuprofen some. I didn't when I started. I went through a phase where I did because the people I was hanging around with did. And I think I tried a leave one time. I changed from Advil to a leave because I was really feeling a lot of discomfort. And I had a really bad experience with the leave. And I thought, that is it. End of story. Not again. And that was it. So what I have learned to do is, number one, tell pain from discomfort. Two different things. Two very different things. Discomfort, you expect pain, not a good thing. If you're in pain and you've got an injury, you may need to start thinking about not finishing. If it's going to be, my rule for me is that if it's pain and if it is going to be a career limiting injury or I don't get to run the next race, I'm going to start thinking about dropping out. And that really doesn't happen because at the first point I detect pain, I start managing it immediately. 
blister, pain, whatever. So I did, I distinguish greatly between pain and discomfort. Discomfort can kind of be ignored. You expect that. That's part of the game. Pain, different things. So when pain does happen, I immediately start working on it. Do I need to run a different way? Do I need to tape my foot? Do I need to change my socks? Do I need to stop and stretch? What do I need to do? How am I going to manage this? Do I need to change shoes? You know, all kinds, there are all kinds of options depending on what your pain is. So that's another tactic. And then the mind, the discomfort is, there are so many, so many ways to deal with that. And a lot of it is problem solving on the go and watching your thoughts about the discomfort because if you are really resisting the discomfort, you are focusing on the discomfort and you're giving a lot of power to it. So it's, there are some ways that you can shift your focus away from the discomfort and just let it happen and deal with it and go through it, basically. Definitely. Talk about the pain. Uh, last weekend when I was running up in Hody, uh, I had pain and didn't know where it was coming from. It was pain and pain afterward i realized i had a major safing going on and uh and i could hardly walk afterward but that's i couldn't distinguish where you know is it pain for discomfort and you know it was this combination of everything but but it is it is interesting uh, the way you manage that so yeah and i'm really yeah. thankful for the advice you know for your words because i never really thought of it that way as you know pain and, and discomfort um i haven't separated them i don't believe and, and maybe that's part of something that that I can work on. Yeah, give that a try because they are really very, very different. And, you know, we sign up for ultras because they're a challenge, so you expect discomfort. So it's just part of the game. So can you give us an example how do you do uh, separate them? You kind of briefly talked about it, but give us an example or, or cases where uh, where we where you can tell us a difference between discomfort versus pain. For us, it's everything's pain. I mean, after a certain mile, everything's hurting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see. Let me come to a recent example um this past weekend at this little 50k it's of course leaf over rock season it's fall and i stepped on a rock very oddly and the outside bone of my foot started really hurting unusually and i just kind of kept an eye on it I, i shortened my stride a little bit i slowed down a little bit i kept moving um, and I just monitored how it was feeling. Is it the pain abating or is it staying the same or is it getting worse? And that was the best thing to do. And, and I avoided rocks on that foot also. So I just monitored that to see how it was doing because I was a little bit worried about a stress fracture. And it eventually dissipated just by shortening my stride up and, like I said, slowing down. I, However, Bigfoot 200, back in August, my first 200-miler, three miles into the race, and I hit something with my big toe, and it hurt so bad, I thought I was going to throw up. And I knew immediately I had probably broken my big toe. Hmm. And I'm three miles into this race that I have worked for and anticipated for months and I've traveled to and I'm there and I'm only three miles in. And I thought, you know, if I can still, if I can find a way to run with this pain, uh, I'm going to do it because it's not going to get any worse. And 
I really want to run this race. So I, it took me a long time of shortening my stride, kind of hopping along, kind of hopping a little bit better stride, hopping better stride, hopping better stride, kind of then running a little bit. And I worked up to, I found a way to kind of lift my toe without creating another injury that I could run and still do okay and not kill myself and wow. what um, was your crew saying when all was your crew aware of all that and and were they helping you through that <laughs> yeah i actually i don't usually have a crew but i did have a crew for that race thank goodness and uh, he i told him my fiance i told him um I think I've broken my toe. Don't tell the medical team. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to get pulled. And I said, I'm managing it. I'm doing okay. And he said, okay. He said, you know what you're doing. Keep doing, go ahead and do good things. That is wonderful to hear that somebody in your life is that supportive and helping you in that way. Yeah. And and the race worked out fine. You know, there was, the running was slow enough and there was enough walking involved that the toe didn't bother me unless I broken it was yeah oh Oh, yeah you did that race with a broken toe yeah yeah and then you managed to win it all or some of these is that no 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 I got like an age group award I think I was the only um 50 50 to 54 female to finish but it it was I was not going to pass that up Definitely. Uh, tell us about, uh, as we talk about 200, uh, I really get fascinated about listening to people trying to do 200. We can barely do 100 here, and uh, now people are going beyond 100, 200, 240. Uh, I think that's some of the things you were talking about. Tell us yeah. about uh, what is this mindset beyond 100? Don and I, we can relate for 100, but tell us about what is the mindset? What what kind of physical aspect, uh, mental aspect do you need? If you, anybody, any listener right now thinking about, hmm, I may try 200. So. Oh, it's it is it is so exciting because I've obviously been doing hundreds for a long time, and uh, there is always something new at a hundred. But the distance is not something. The distance is something I feel fairly confident about at this point. So <laughs> having a two hundred miler is. I get the same feeling that I did when I was running fifty milers, and I had to make that jump to one hundred miles. It's the same. It requires a leap of faith in yourself. It requires some studying to figure out what the new challenges are. Sleep is something that is suddenly a challenge you have to deal with. How much to sleep, how often to sleep. And and I find that really invigorating and exciting to have new things to figure out and to get better at. You know, the distance, the gear to carry, you know, how I'm going to manage my gear, the whole, you know, just the whole unknown about it. And it it's, it is a leap of faith, but what's the worst that can happen? I DNF, okay, so... I have, if even if I DNF, I've started the race, I've done some of it, I have learned what to do next time, and next time I can do it better from what I've learned. So that's the worst that can happen. The best that can happen is, you know, I've got plenty of time out there, I can muddle through, I can problem solve, I can figure it out, I can do it. So... It does require a lot of confidence in yourself, but it's the same leap of faith that a lot of us take moving from 50 to 100 miles. Definitely. What kind of training uh, usually, I know you, you do uh, week by week, uh, all this racing probably prepare you, but other other competitor, they come to run their event or other participant, what kind of training do they put? 
Oh, other participants? Uh, to be honest, I don't know. I think it's like all over the map from just talking to people. When I went into Bighorn, I think I'd done I'd done two hundreds in June. I did uh, Kettle Moraine and, and Black Hills, and I found just to time out my hundredth hundred. I found Burning River. I decided to do Burning River in Ohio again at the end of July because that would be a good long run before. Bigfoot also. And, you know, that was basically my big long run before Bigfoot. I was, I was under trained for that race compared to what I planned to be. But I have talked to people. There's one guy I've met, friend I've met from running these 200s who has never run a hundred miler and charged straight into 200 milers. Wow. So it's kind of all over the map. It's really a different 200 milers are yet a different thing again from a hundred miler. And it's, I'm just still learning, still figuring it out. <laughs> what's, what's after 200? So, well, actually there's been mention of a 500 and of course then there's, if you really want to do more, just more distance for the sake of doing more distance, you can always sign up for, you know, 24, 48, 72 hour runs, but that's not my cup of tea. What about an FKT? Are you interested in doing anything like that? Actually, funny you should mention, uh, somebody asked me to be on a team to do that just recently, and it wasn't a good time fit, uh, but... I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm. You know, I'm not 20 years old anymore, so I'm not sure about an FKT. But I'm thinking about doing some other non-race events coming up, and so I'm kind of just kind of thinking about the opportunities out there. I would love something that's been on my list for years has been to do the whole Superior Hiking Trail, and not necessarily for time, just for me to see it all because I love the trail. So I would like to mix in some other non-race adventure things like that. For the racer like you, will the non, non-racing non event like that, will that attract you or, or do you need a races to go to places? No, that I would, something like that, I would have to set it up. I'd really need, I'd really prefer to have a crew there to kind of keep me accountable and to have somebody to meet and to resupply me. Um, so that kind of sets it up and and the challenge just the challenge of doing it and the logistics of figuring it out i do i guess i do enjoy the logistics side the mental challenge of figuring out the details of hundreds 200s and something like doing the superior hiking trail so i think that would be fun enough and and to be honest you know i'd really just love to see the whole trail put it all together Hey, Susan, when you encounter people in your life that are understanding of what you do and they may be negative or just really not understand, how do you help them understand? Oh, it really depends on who it is. If it's like, a you know, somebody who's not really in my immediate radius, I'm not sure it's worth bothering. You know, there's that's such an interesting question. You have to and have it does people come, up. come up to you all the time and say, are you, what are you, are this, why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> I have runners come up to me and say that. We're, we're wondering ourselves. So <laughs> people ask us that last week and now we're asking you. <laughs> and not just that yeah. i mean does your physician like does he or she understand and and communicate with you in a healthy way <laughs> about you know i mean there's got to be some some concerns 
Yeah, my doctor has been my doctor for years, and we've talked this through, and she knows what I do, and she knows that I'm going to sign up for races. She tells me I've had enough x-rays, and I don't need any more, (laughs) (laughs) but she knows what I do, and she is, she's great to work with. The only thing I have to be careful with her is that I live in a town with a very aging population, and I'll sit in the waiting room, and I'll look around, and people are over weight and people are older than me and I am very conscious of the fact that I have to be responsible for my own health so like I go get my blood checked you know for all the for all the stuff every year I'm very careful to look it over and if there's anything that's out of line I call back up and I ask about it and I'm very careful in other words not to let her blow me off because I look healthy mm-hmm. so I take responsibility for that and she's really good but I know she sees a lot of people every day so I I take responsibility for managing my own health and raising my hand and saying hey this is a concern as far as other people go who are not understanding, I don't necessarily need to change their minds or convince them. If they're not understanding, they're not. And it it really is very dependent on the person. If they're curious, that's one thing. And I will definitely take more time and answer questions and, and help them to the best of my ability, give them a frame of reference to understand why I do it and what it's like in very high level terms. And if they're more curious, you know, I'll give them more information. But but some people are just, you know, I couldn't run to the mailbox type of stuff. <laughs> and, you know, oh, your, your knees are going to go out. Your knees are going to go bad. And, right. You know, those people, I don't need to convince them. They just so like... Your parents have always been okay with what your with your passion for running. Well, I've been running most of my life, and always is is interesting. But yeah, they have really been very supportive, and I'm very lucky that way. And I mean, from buying my first pair of Nike waffle trainers back in the day uh, to my first pair of contact lenses, so I didn't have to wear glasses running. You know, they have been very very supportive, and there are times I'm sure when they wish that. I didn't come out to run a race and visit them, that I just came out to visit them and things like (laughs) that. But um, they have been to a bunch of my races, a bunch of hundred milers. And it's just, I'm really lucky to have the parents I have. So blessed that way. Well, that's awesome. That's always great to have support. Mm-hmm. My family doesn't know what to do with me, so we'll <laughs> they'll <laughs> learn. Yeah, and maybe I'll, if I do hundreds of them, maybe they'll realize he's not going to give up now. So, yeah, you just wear them down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely. Talk about that. Uh, what motivates you? You know, it's uh, you do things so amazing things and so beyond. Ultra runners doing these days. What motivates you day in and day out? Training, getting ready, traveling, finishing that race. What's what's in your mind tell us oh that's another good question when i was a little kid i i grew up in the 60s when i was a little kid i watched the original star trek series i watched things like born free where people were saving lions in africa i i watched a lot of stuff that where people were having adventures and saving the world and that's what i wanted to do when i grew up i wanted to have big adventures where i saved the world and this is my version of 
big adventures saving the world. So everyday life might not be that adventurous, but that's adding races is how I add adventure to my race. And there's, of course, a lot more to it. I feel better mentally, physically and spiritually when I am running and when I'm in shape. But that's one motivator, the little kid in me who saw life as one big, exciting adventure. And then the other side is something I think about fairly often. My check is, okay, at the end of my life, I want to be sure I am looking back and just happy with the way I lived it and what I did. And that's a huge motivator for me to be happy with my life when I'm in the moment and when I'm done with it. So sometimes I step back and I say, okay, this is really busy. It's a lot of travel. Is it worth it in the big picture? And I signed up for Moab, for example, Moab 240 miler in October. And the month was already really packed with stuff. And I thought, you know, it's going to be a risk. It's going to be a gamble, but I think I can do it all and I'm willing to give it a shot. And if I don't do it all, then okay. But I thought, you know, at the end of my life, what if I don't get another chance to run a 240 mile race and see if I can do it? So I want at the end of my life, I thought, you know, I I would be much happier if I tried it and failed or tried it and it succeeded, but at least tried it. So um, that's how I decided to squeeze that race in. And I thought, (laughs) you know, Tomorrow I could have a car wreck and not be able to run. I want to take advantage of this opportunity now while I have even a small window. So, you know, it's the little girl looking forward at life and it's the future me looking back at my life. Both of them have to be happy. Definitely. Wow, you're so amazing, Susan. I don't <laughs> just it's I'm just really really happy to um be able to talk to you and hear hear what you have to say cuz it's it's just it's really refreshing. You sound like you've got it all together. <laughs> like you, you really, you really do. That's the well, question, I guess. Yeah, it's actually the blog post I've got coming out this week is a little bit, it just touches on balance a little bit. You know, it's, it's a constant challenge. It's sometimes it's a lot of travel and a lot of racing. And sometimes, you know, I have months off and I really try very hard and not try very hard. I'm really very careful to live a life I really love. And it's not a conventional life. It was definitely not a conventional life when I was running in the 80s and when I started running ultras in the 90s. But it's the life that's made me very happy. So, you know, having it all together, it depends on your definition of that. But I'm pretty darn happy with my life, actually. So Definitely. Uh, talking about that, one of the things I was going to ask you, since you have run a hundredth uh, hundred miler, what do you do with the, all your buckles and everything? I mean, I have six of them. I'm kind of trying to <laughs> rotate them a little bit. Well, they're sitting right next to me. I'm sitting at my desk right now, and they're sitting right next to me, I'm sorry to say, in a plastic tub with some assorted race numbers that mean that have sentimental value. So I've got a friend who showed me a cool idea for displaying lots of belt buckles. So I'm, I may try that on my off time to do some sewing and <laughs> some craft work so I can have some way to display my buckles. But right now there's uh, the ones that aren't the ones that are kind of everyday buckles are in this 
tub. The ones that are really special are out on my shelves, like some of my superior finish medals and, and my 200 medals, buckles, things like that. They're sitting out where I can see them. What is your all-time favorite 100-mile race? I get that question a lot, naturally. And I try and divide it up by overseas and U.S. In U.S., it would be Superior Sawtooth. That was my first hundred. It's still, I've done Massanutten a lot, almost as many times. But Superior is still my sentimental favorite. I love the trail. I love the event. I love the people. It's got so many good memories, and I just love going back to it every year. It's a challenging course. It's technical. It's challenging. If you think it is not challenging because it's not in the Rockies, i I dare you to go try it. And then overseas, I've done UTMB. That's pretty good. I would have a hard time picking a favorite overseas because they're all just stunning. And I love traveling. So um, I've done uh, West Highland Way in Scotland. I've done Hardmoors 110 in England, in the York Moors, Yorkshire Moors. And they're all beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) When you were at UTMB, did you have any sort of problems with language barriers or communication or anything like that? The only time I really had, and I speak just un peu French, a little tiny bit of French enough to maybe get kind of understood. The only time I really had a language barrier was when I was trying to pass people on the trail and they had poles. And that was just hard. I never got, I'd say something and I'd say, you know, passing you on your left or right in French and I didn't really ever get a response. And so that was that was the one frustrating time. But like I was there the year it got canceled and some guys, yeah, French guys were behind me right about the time they got word it got they overheard somebody say the race was being canceled and they told me in French and I understood in French that the race was being canceled and that they didn't know why. So some language barriers, some not. So as many races you have run, uh, 100-miler, is there anything that's, uh, that you still on your list that you wish you, you could do one day or are you checked off all most of those races? I'm sure you have done Pinhoti, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I have. It was my PR for a long time. Actually, I just put in for the Hard Rock Lottery. I have actually never run Hard Rock. And I thought, you know, I saw a friend enter it and I thought, I guess, you know, this feels like the year. I think I'm going to enter the lottery. So I put in for the Hard Rock Lottery. I hope I get in. I'm not sure what chance I have, but I put in for it. I guess I would like to run Western States. It's oddly enough, it's the first one I ever read about, but it hasn't like pulled me the way interesting things that are interesting to me pull me. And I'm really in that kind of from now to Christmas. I'm in that phase of trying to figure out what I want to do race-wise next year. And I think I definitely want to go back to the 200s. I want to get better at the 200s. And there has been mention of a 500, like possibly two years from now. So that's on my long-term horizon. I'd love to go back overseas and do some racing overseas because I love to travel and that's the best way to see the world. So I'm in the phase right now where I'm kind of thinking about that and putting it all together and deciding what kind of non-race change challenges I want to do. Maybe this is a year to do the Superior Trail. Definitely. It sounds like you got a lot, lot in your calendar, Susan. Yeah. What kind of advice would you give somebody like me who is entering into this? Unfortunately, I've waited till the latter part of my life to 
you know, find trail running and, and fall in love with it. And, you know, like I said earlier, my fear is, is my body's going to give out on me before I'm ready for it. What kind of advice do you have for me? Um, well, this year was a str- a little bit of a struggle t- for me because I've had to reconnect with enjoying myself. For yeah. a long time, I was running, just trying to be good and trying to, mm. to, to make, you know, have a good time and be mm-hmm. trained up. And, you know, I've won some things. I've placed highly in some things. And, but I, I lost that enjoyment mm-hmm. that brought me here in the first place. So I really feel like if I can enjoy what I'm doing, if I can focus on that, that the physical part will be okay. Absolutely correct. I don't race, race every race. Some I just go to, like Havelina, I go to usually just to see people and to get the mileage in and have some fun and, you know, um, it's a good time. Um, I don't, you know, if I'm feeling good that day, I'll go out and push my time just for me to see what I can do, but I don't race, race every race. So that's a common problem is, is falling into this. I need to do it faster. I need to do it faster. I need to get a better time. That's why I got out of marathons, to be honest. Ultra running as a sport is easier for you to go for enjoyment. And on those days where you feel really, really perky, you know, go for that fast time. The advice I would give is to go out and find success stories where you've got older runners like Gunhild Swanson finishing Western States um, when she was 80. You know, those stories are out there. They may not get as much press, but they're out there. So go find examples because she's a motivator for me. And find some proof that you've got some time left in the sport and don't build your age up to be such a scary monster. And create the scary monster because you're worried about it. Because if you worry about it, it will start eating away at you. Um, Just go enjoy it and try to do it that way. That's really good advice. That's a good advice. Susan, you mentioned uh, several times about uh, your blog, uh, uh, blog post. Uh, Tell us how our listener can follow you, your journey. It's Susan I, middle initial I is in islanddonnelly.com. And there's a blog on the website. And actually, at Moab 240, I shot a series of 10 videos along the way because I thought it'd be fun to show people what it was like, you know, little snippets to run a 240-mile race because people don't know. You know, you're you're wondering what it's like. So that was the last stuff I did, and I got another blog post coming out on Wednesday. So pretty much once a week, I'm putting something out. Definitely. I will uh, link it up from sonodeemruns.com. We'll we'll do that. Susan, it has been really great. Uh, pleasure to talk to you, learn about your journey, many, many things you do. You are a Southeastern runner. Uh, great to have you as an asset and talk and get advice from. Uh, thanks for coming to Emruns Podcast. Before we close uh, this podcast, I just want you to give a word of advice to all the listeners uh, uh, to take their running beyond their comfort zone, uh, maybe 100 mile or 50 mile or whatever they're beyond their comfort zone and take it uh, take that ultra distance and and be uh, be good at it or at least do those distance and and enjoy it uh, give us a word of advice gosh i usually have like two or three and i always blank when somebody asks me this question but the the one that i give the most and it's kind of obvious but it is fundamental is to run your own race don't run somebody else's race don't take off fast because they're taking off fast Run your own race and enjoy your own race and just have your own experience. 
best basic advice I can absolutely give. Thanks for your advice and all all the insight and ultra running, ultra distance running. Thanks for your time, and uh, we'll catch up with you. Hopefully, we can run into each other running some <laughs> races. Maybe maybe Donna can run some races with hey, you. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna enter the lottery um, for Superior 100 and Massanutten this for 2018. Oh, if I don't excellent. Get if I don't get it pulled for Western states, which I probably won't, I'm gonna I'm looking at those two ru- races to to do in 2018. Oh, that would be awesome. Um, so when awesome. so when is the superior? Um, it's in September, and the lottery is usually in January February time frame. Right. Definitely looks like we have a race to target now. Great. Uh, thanks for your time, uh, Donna. Thanks for your time. Uh, be a, be a co-host of M Runs Podcast, and Susan be a guest sure. of our M Runs Podcast. Thanks for your time. Delighted. Pleasure to chat with you, Susan. Absolutely delighted. It's been fun. Thanks for listening to another episode of Embruns Podcast. Please visit embruns.com to listen to previous podcast shows, links to our social media channels. Please follow Marathon Runs on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for recent updates, race photos, discount codes, and more.